evening again. Yeah. Angel Bear, greetings. As you might have remembered from the other episode. Oh yes, you did make a promise that Angel Bear would make an appearance. That was a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. So, um, she's gonna be our special guest today. Okay, Angel Bear, do you know what we're reading today? The Princess and Curdy. That's right. The princess and Curdy is what we're reading tonight. If you couldn't hear her, then then she said the princess and Curdy. Thank you, Lyd. Because she is very quiet sometimes. I've known people like that, yes. And we are on chapter six of George MacDonald's The Princess and Curdy, The Emerald. Ooh, um, well, yes. I know that, that um, we're, we were also reading The Emerald City of Oz. Yes, we have been reading the Emerald City of Oz, so you know what an emerald is for sure. Yeah, um, and I do have a, a little toy octopus named an emerald. Yes, you do. That's true, too. So what is an emerald? Um, it's a green gem. Yes, it is a green gemstone. Very nice. So, when we left Curdy and his father, Peter... They were the only ones in the mine, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's keep going from there. Yeah. All righty. Father and son had seated themselves on a projecting piece of rock at a corner where three galleries met. The one they had come along from their work, one to the right leading out of the mountain, and the other to the left leading far into a portion of it which had long been disused. Since the inundation caused by the goblins, it had indeed been rendered impassable by the settlement of a quantity of the water, forming a small but very deep lake, in a part where there was a considerable descent. They had just risen and were turning to the right, when a gleam caught their eyes and made them look along the whole gallery. Far up, they saw a pale green light, whence issuing they could not tell about halfway between the floor and the roof of the passage. They saw nothing but the light, which was like a large star, with a point of darker color yet brighter radiance in the heart of it, whence the rest of the light shot out in rays that faded toward the ends when they vanished. It shed hardly any light around it, although in itself it was so bright as to sting the eyes that beheld it. Wonderful stories had from ages gone been current in the minds about certain magic gems which gave out light of themselves, and this light looked just like what might be supposed to shoot from the heart of such a gem. They went up the old gallery to find out what it could be. To their surprise they found, however, that after going some distance, they were no nearer to it, so far as they could judge than when they started. It did not seem to move, and yet they moving did not approach it. Still they persevered, for it was far too wonderful a thing to lose sight of, so long as they could keep it. At length they drew near the hollow where the water lay, and still were no nearer the light. Where they expected to be stopped by the water, however, water was none. 
Something had taken place in some part of the mine that had drained it off, and the gallery lay open as in former times. And now, to their surprise, the light, instead of being in front of them, was shining at the same distance to the right, where they did not know there was any passage at all. Then they discovered, by the light of the lanterns they carried, that there the water had broken through and made an entrance to a part of the mountain of which Peter knew nothing. But they were hardly well into it, still following the light, before Curdie thought he recognized some of the passages he had so often gone through when he was watching the goblins. After they had advanced a long way, with many turnings, now to the right, now to the left, all at once, their eyes seemed to come suddenly to themselves, and they became aware that the light, which they had taken to be a great way from them, was in reality almost within reach of their hands. The same instant it began to grow larger and thinner. The point of light grew dim as it spread. The greenness melted away, and in a moment or two, instead of a star, a dark, dark, and yet luminous face was looking at them with living eyes. And Curdie felt a great awe swell up in his heart, for he thought he had seen those eyes before. "'I see you know me, Curdie,' said a voice. "'If your eyes are you, ma'am, then I know you,' said Curdie. "'But I never saw your face before.' "'Yes, you have seen it, Curdie,' said the voice. And with that the darkness of its complexion melted away, and down from the face dawned out the form that belonged to it, until at last Curdie and his father beheld a lady, beautiful exceedingly, dressed in something pale green, like velvet, over which her hair fell in cataracts of a rich golden color. It looked as if it were pouring down from her head, and, like the water of the dust brook, vanishing in a golden vapor ere it reached the floor. It came flowing from under the edge of a coronet of gold, set with alternated pearls and emeralds. In front of the crown was a great emerald, which looked somehow as if it had come... Um, yes, honey? Angel Bear's going to say something. Okay. I wonder who this is. Oh. Well, do you have any ideas, either of you? Well, um, me and Angel Bear, um, for um, a while we thought it was the grandmother, but... The grandmother mm -hmm. has silver hair. That's an oh, that's a good point actually. She has always had silver hair. Mm hmm. Hmm. Okay. That is a very good point. Okay, I'll back up a little. Mm. It came flowing from under the edge of a coronet of gold, set with alternated pearls and emeralds. In front of the crown was a great emerald, which looked somehow as if out of it had come the light they had followed. There was no ornament else about her, except in her slippers, which were one mass of gleaming emeralds of various shades of green, all mingling lovely, like the waving of grass in the wind and sun. She looked about five and twenty years old, and for all the difference, Curdie knew somehow or other, he could not have told how, that the face before him was that of the old princess, 
Irene's great-great-grandmother. So, something's changed. Mm -hmm. By this time, all around them had grown light. And now first, they could see where they were. They stood in a great splendid cavern, which Curdie recognized as that in which the goblins held their state assemblies. But, strange to tell, the light by which they saw came streaming, sparkling, and shooting from stones of many color in the sides and roof and floor of the cavern, stones of all the colors of the rainbow and many more. It was a glorious sight, the whole rugged place flashing with colors. In one spot, a great light of deep carbuncular red, in another, sapphirine blue, and another of topaz yellow, while here and there were groups of stones of all hues and sizes, and again nebulous What's spaces. A hue? a hue is a different shade of color. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. while here and there were groups of stones of all hues and sizes, and again nebulous spaces of thousands of tiniest spots of brilliancy of every conceivable shade. Sometimes the colors ran together. Mm. Yes, honey? What does conceivable mean? Conceivable. Um, imaginable. Yeah. Every shade anyone could ever imagine. Sometimes the colors ran together and made a little river or lake of lambent, interfusing and changing tints, which by their variegation seemed to imitate the flowing of water or waves made by the wind. Curdy would have gazed entranced, but that all the beauty of the cavern, yes, of all he knew of the whole creation, seemed gathered in one center of harmony and loveliness in the person of the ancient lady who stood before him in the very summer of beauty and strength. Turning from the first glance at the circuitous splendor... What does um, that I think mm -hmm. adjacent to a circle, or next to a circle. What's adjacent? That's what I said, next to. Next to? Yes. It dwindled into nothing as he looked again at the lady. Nothing flashed or glowed or shone about her, and yet it was with a provision of the truth that he said, I was here once before, ma'am. I know that, Curdie, she replied. The place was full of torches, and the walls gleamed, but nothing as they do now, and there is no light in the place. You want to know where the light comes from, she said, smiling. Yes, ma'am. Then see. I will go out of the cavern. Do not be afraid, but watch. She went slowly out. The moment she turned her back to go, the light began to pale and fade. The moment she was out of their sight, the place was black as night, save that now the smoky yellow-red of their lamps, which they thought had gone out, cast a dusky glimmer around them. Well, that is the end of Chapter 6 of George MacDonald's The Princess and, and Curdie. That's exactly right. So oh. interesting. Yes, honey? Angel Bear um, wants to say something. I'd love to hear it. Go ahead, Angel Bear. Um, 
well, um, there's, um, so, there's a lot of stories going on, so, hmm. so, um, so, we kind of needed a minute to catch up. I see. What other stories episode? are going on? What do you mean, dear? Like, the Emerald City was. Oh, that we've been and, reading different stories sometimes at night. And also, we, we have, um, what's that book? The Wonderful Wizard of Oz? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, things got a little bit confused because first I had a copy of The Emerald City of Oz mm -hmm. and and thought you'd be interested in that and you seemed to like it a lot. So your mommy remembered what I should have remembered immediately, which is that the Wizard of Oz and all the Oz books, the original Oz books, are in the public domain. Mm -hmm. That means that she could find them online for free. Mm -hmm. So she found a copy of the original Wonderful Wizard of Oz mm -hmm. and started reading that to you. So that's how we got into two Oz books at different times. Yeah. And um, then I asked you if you wanted to start recording some Oz stories for the podcast, and you said you wanted to finish The Princess and Curdie first. Yeah. And that made sense to me. So I think that's good, but I would love to make The Wizard of Oz our next book after this. I think that people would enjoy that I a lot. I want to do that, too. Excellent. Well, I think that we're going to have a great time, and it'll be the first time you've actually heard a story and know a story before we've read it on the podcast, so that'll be different. Yeah, and, and, um, well, um, um, so, um, we sometimes have special guests, but yes. for some reason, um, I feel like we haven't done enough special guests, so, um, Interesting. so we're gonna have a special, more special guests, alright? Well, Lid, I think that's just fine. Yeah. As long as they don't try to steal the show, then I think we're happy. Yeah. Yeah, and Angel just... Bear was an excellent guest. So polite tonight. Yeah. I appreciate that very much. Um, yes, Angel Bear? I think it's time to wrap up the show because it's almost bedtime. It's almost because it's bedtime o'clock. Bedtime o'clock is exactly right, Angel Bear. Well, that's going to be sleepy stories for tonight. Yeah. So I, this is Matt. This is Lydia. Pleasant I, dreams. Yeah, and I hope you had a good podcast. Bye, and have a great night. Good night.